Hi, I'm Dave, and I like to play pranks. Isn't it rich? I've been known to prank uh, a lot of my friends. Are we a pair? Some ex-friends, some ex-lovers. Me here at last on the ground. Uh, my parents. You in midair. I also date a clown. Send in the clown. And my daughter's a clown as well, and so is my dog. And I come from, my, my father was a clown, and my mother was a clown, and their parents before them were also clowns. Isn't it Do you know that my great-great-great-great-grandfather was a clown? And his great 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 grandfather was actually a caveman. So I think that's I'm a clown. I'm still a clown. Clowns are chasing us up here. On Facebook, they said there was killer clowns around here that were killing people. We saw a man with an all black on, clown mask on, and like a red wig. It's a trend spooking the nation, creepy clown sightings. Now, they're threatening school districts. Police and Homeland Security are investigating. It's the month of October. It's time to get scared a little bit. A little bit for some. For others, this is an absolute nightmare. Clown sightings are happening across the country, and it's no laughing matter. The posts from over the weekend all use the word clown. Some even talk about blowing up schools. Social media threats from anonymous clown accounts kept elementary children inside during recess. Nobody knows how to defend against it because we don't know if it's a prank or if they're really trying to harm people. Children told police that clowns tried luring them into woods by offering money. Three men wearing scary clown masks also holding a baseball bat chased after those women yelling something at them beating on a fence with the bat. Many questions still swirling about why these clown encounters are sweeping the country right now. For anyone who thinks this is funny, police say there is at least one deadly incident. There are concerns that the trend will grow as Halloween approaches. And that's where that clown came and attacked him with a knife. And one adult even heard the clown. They say the clown was trying to lure kids into the woods by offering them treats. Now police are using social media to track down the costumed offender. A Twitter handle under the name Clown Gang. Kill a clown lair. It's actually an attic, but I can't tell you where, and I have to disguise the voices of Clinky, Squints, and the ringleader, Chuckle. If they happen to see us and get scared, then there's nothing we can do about that. Chuckle says they started earlier this week. They were impressed that the White House even issued a statement on the clown craze, but scoffed it off. Chuckle says there are now 17 clowns in the groups. It's the month to get scared. And Chuckles reiterated, never a good idea to approach somebody wearing a clown mask at night. And residents in some communities are asking if they're allowed to shoot clowns on site. <laughs>Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. Now on patreon.com forward slash speak all evil. Come see us and say hi and thank you to the patrons currently checking out even more evil than you get every week right here. This week we're talking clowns. Send in the clowns. Don't have to send in two, already got four right here. Yeah. All right. Oh. It's the biggest clown show there is. 
Clown's pretty big in horror. I was thinking that if horror was a professional sports team, the mascot that runs around at the games in a big suit would be an evil clown. Iconic horror image. I don't have a fear of clowns. I forget what it's called. Do any of you guys have the fear of clowns? Yeah. Nah. No, you nah, don't. I'm fine. Nah. You do? You I do. don't? No. You, you know Why? what it's called? It's like what? a specific phobia. Oh, what? Oh, I don't know what it's called. No, I thought you were asking okay. us if we were afraid of clowns. Clownophobia. I think no. it's clownophobia. Yeah, that's what I heard. <laughs> no, there's a real name for it. I'm, af- I'm more afraid of... What I'm afraid of are the ones that look like you and me, and they're just in everyday life like everyone else, but they're a fucking clown. Those are the clowns. That, Deep those cuts. are the clowns. There we go. There's a lot of clowns out there. Coolrophobia. What is it? Coolrophobia. Cool a fear of someone oh. who walks on stilts. Wait, that's not what I looked oh, up. No, no, it's not. <laughs> There's some crossover there, probably. <laughs> yeah, Trent, what the I, fuck? I wanted to, to harken back on uh, the Halloween that we had a performance at the Animal House fraternity, but we are not of college age. But we went to this Halloween party as Insane Clown Posse. And all night long, it was as though we were 19, 20 years old, just chilling at the party with everybody else. And I remember what a very epic moment, a very uh, a visual that stuck with me was there was a flickering light in the bathroom and you were washing off your clown makeup in the bathroom and half of it was on your face running down. You kind of looked like uh, the guy from uh, The Last Circus. And it was very, that was the closest I've ever been to being scared of being a clown because as a clown, you know, we kind of had this anon- this anonymous thing that uh, was kind of fun. You could just kind of like, oh, it's the clown, unsuspecting clown, all fun and games. And then we took off the makeup and immediately someone was like, who are those old guys? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, you chose a clown-centric film for us this week. What did you got? I did. I went uh, with the classic B-movie, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's a 1988 flick done by the Chiodo Brothers, who wrote, directed, and produced this. And these guys, it's interesting that they're the ones that came up with this movie and did it, because they're mostly effects guys. They're known for doing movies like Critters, they did the large Marge scene from Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which is a great scene. Sure they did all the stop-motion effects in Elf, you. their homies with uh, John Favreau. Ernest Scared Stupid. So these guys, this was really their first foray into actually making an entire motion picture come to life. And I don't really need to set this up because, as the title says, this is about killer clowns from outer space. What would you guys think? Thank God I never saw this movie when I was younger because it absolutely would have ruined me. Like the the clown scene from Poltergeist fucked me up when I was little. So this movie would have absolutely destroyed little baby cat. Because it's very like even though it's super campy and I think it's super fun like watching it as an adult now. 
I can appreciate it without absolutely like destroying myself emotionally. But those two little hamper like bathroom clowns, like the little like jack in the box, like little ones with like those teeth, I probably would have had nightmares for the rest of my life. But I thought it was really fun to watch. A lot of fun uh, clown faces, like the animatronics that you were just talking about and like special effects, like it was fucking creepy and I loved it. So, boom. I liked Killer Clowns from Outer Space all right. I didn't love it. Uh, It was kind of like in one ear and out the other. Uh, Nothing really like stayed with me from it. It was, you know, obviously very silly, very 80s. I got halfway through. I hated the movie halfway through. And then the consistency of this movie, the consistency of every actor being terrible in the same exact way. I mean, I didn't find any of it scary because I'm a you know big grown up and you know it it didn't really scare me at all. I mean, there's no nightmares on on my end of it, but it sold me halfway through. And like halfway through, I just saw that it was the same gag over and over again, and that's what I took it for face value. And I enjoyed it after that, but it's just because I'm kind of like a stick in the mud sometimes when it comes to the comedy horror, the really goofy stuff. I just don't love all of them, but this one made it in just barely. Yeah. My experience was similar. Um, This is a certified cult classic. It is a VHS classic. I was a big fan of this movie back in that time, and I was looking forward to revisiting. I had a little bit of a hard time with it because it just seemed a little bit boring to me. Like, I thought it was a little more exciting than it really is now, and and probably that's because I think that one of the things that this movie relies on is having not seen it. Because once you've seen it and you're familiar with it, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, again, certified cult classic, uh, for sure. Not questioning any of the credentials. And it is fun. The clowns themselves are great. I love the look of the clowns, the the practical effects. And they don't, you know, it's kind of funny because the clowns are just brightly lit and fully visible at all times. There's no... Like, they never try to obscure the clowns or really, like, do any shadow play. or there, there's, there's nothing like we talked a little bit when we talked about the ritual about how much you show the monster in the movie. And this, this one doesn't even operate in that frame of mind. It's just they spent a lot of time, obviously, on these amazing clowns, and they're going to show them in the bright light the whole way. This is free all over, by the way. You don't have this is on Netflix right now. It's on Prime. You can watch this on Tubi, free with ads without even being a member. Like you can see this one pretty much anywhere and everywhere. So if you have never seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which the Outer Space, Kevin, I'm probably stealing your thunder right now, but that was added on later, I believe. Um, it was just Killer Clowns, and then at some point somebody 
I don't remember why, but maybe you can tell us they added the from outer space part, which they are from outer space. So it's not false advertising or anything like that. Um, but I enjoyed it. And to be, <laughs> to be honest, in you know, full disclosure, I meant to get back to this one and, and watch it again, and I didn't get there. So I guess, I guess I would like to take another stab at it, and I didn't get that chance. I actually had never seen this before. Oh, that's right, Dave. This was your wow. Maiden voyage. Another, another first time. This is my time. first time. So, you know, huh. I bet if it had been so, never mind what I said my, about <laughs> part of my horror journey, then I might have liked it better than just seeing it for the first time now. But I do think it pulled off what Leprechaun in space attempted to pull off. Looking at movies that are that you want to try to justify being in the so bad is good category. Like you nailed it, Dave, it has to be consistent and it has to be self-aware And this movie clearly is incredibly self-aware of what they're doing. And you're right. They don't explain anything. We don't know why these clowns just came down from outer space in a big top spaceship. And we don't know why they're wrapping people up in cotton candy cocoons. Um, <laughs> But anytime the clowns are on scene, the movie is fucking awesome. It's dependent upon a series of really clever scenes or fun scenes with the clowns. Anytime the humans are on screen, just fast forward because you're not going to miss any of the plot. Like you're not going to miss anything important. Just just fast forward it. You know, modern technology, you can see frame by frame. As soon as you've seen a clown, hit play and try to watch the movie that way. Uh, the reason that they added space is because the Chiodo brothers are all massive fans of old school horror movies like The Blob, and they wanted to do, you know, sort of put that twist on it, and then the whole opening sequence of the movie is an homage to The Blob. If you look up the, if you watch the opening scenes of The Blob, and then watch the opening scenes of Killer Clowns from Outer Space, they they basically it's just one big homage. I like the f the final girl quite a bit. She reminded me of a, a babysitter that I had a crush on as a kid. She had that th she had that teased up hair. Yeah. And she wore like these big jumpsuits. She wasn't <laughs> she wasn't uh I don't know, as as sexy as most um final girls. Well, you definitely recognize her, Dave, cuz her name's Debbie Stone and she was also in Weird Science. Night of the Creeps, and Return of the Living Dead too. I thought that there was going to be a little bit more bloodletting in the, in the gorier sense than there was in this. The clowns don't really... One of the problems is the clowns don't really do that much stuff. They, they shoot a laser beam at you, and it just turns you into a cotton candy, So, which is kind of funny, <laughs> but at the same time, it's not that interesting. There is one great decapitation scene, and I was going to suggest that if you're watching this, this is a great low investment um, making snacks and, and doing other stuff while you watch. But when you get to the biker scene, you're going to want to watch the biker scene in full because there is a, uh, a great decapitation there, but it's pretty bloodless. Your art, uh, the, the shadow puppet. I, I love that was Trench is yeah. mad because there's a better shadow puppet artist and he had to watch them in action. That's the moment. <laughs> that was the moment in the film that I was okay, I'm into this now. As soon as the shadow puppet part happened, I was like, okay, this is this is what we're doing. I'm in. Yeah, that was one of my other favorite scenes and that 
it almost went to a like Looney Tunes vibe when he's doing the you know he's starting the shadow puppets and then it's he's like doing the belly dancer or something puppet you know it's very sort of Bugs Bunny and the dinosaur good stuff. I was just gonna say I'd pair this up with like uh, who framed Roger Rabbit at the drive yes. or something. Yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Great call. I mean, the Chiodo brothers, obviously being effects guys, believe it or not, they actually left most of the set design and effects up to the staff they hired, which I'm sure were trusted fellow effects people. But the Chiodos made all of those rubber clown suits and masks. And then they actually they spent a ton of time doing the mini set for fucking Clownzilla, because we haven't even talked about Clownzilla, which is a super fun ending. So... I love the sets in this. I think they look like perfectly cheesy and fun. And, you know, I I am surprised because this is the kind of movie during the time it was made that really should have had like two, three, four direct-to-video sequels. But this is mm. it. There's only one Killer Clowns from Outer Space. When I see a movie like this, it makes me question like, who is this movie for? You know, because it's not quite for kids, but it's not quite like raunchy and raw enough for adults or like horror fans, really. I mean, this genre to me is best done by trauma. It's just because they turn it up a tiny bit from this. And I wish this was turned up just a tiny bit more. I wish it was a little bit more lewd and shocking because they do look very diabolical. I did think the circus tent in the woods was very scary. That was probably the scariest thing to me. A fully lit, glowing circus tent just in the middle of the woods. I looked like the Freiburg Fair. Yeah, I wouldn't go anywhere near it. Yeah, and they're just like, oh, let's check this out. If I'm out in the middle of the woods and I see a glowing circus tent, I am out. I'm gone. I'm running. I'm probably running. You're not going in. I'm going in. I'm going in. (laughs) I'm definitely going in, dude. Excuse me. Poor no, Pooh Bear. I can't. He got so so right last up. week when we were camping, if, if we had stumbled onto a circus tent, we wouldn't have explored at all. Nope. I'd be out. <laughs> Something about my personality. I have a great rapport with carnies and circus people and, and three-legged men and that sort of thing. Well, I've, I can, I've deduced just from your movie picks... I never knew, you know, there's always, you always learn more about people, even when you think you know them well. You have a thing for circus, obviously, for the circus. I do. Um, mm-hmm. I think that you, I'm, I'm working on a theory that what you really would like to do, Dave, is run away with the circus. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And, and it makes, a lot of things make more sense when you understand that Dave just wants to run away with the circus. But I, um, I'm, I'm, I'm just clowning. <laughs> The whole movie is basically centered around this gag where clowns show up. And every scene <laughs> is just leading you to a new gag where they show up. Uh, and I, I, if they had sequels, they could have done that forever. Just, you know, like the guy shows up with a cement truck and, oh, it's a clown and he cements you in. <laughs> like, yeah, what that means is the, the clowns end up spending a lot of time on these onesies and twosies. Like, if the goal of the clowns was to come here and wreak havoc and destruction and kill and capture, they really are terribly inefficient about it. Like, there's a whole scene where this clown goes and he drives, he takes all this time and drives out just to drive one guy off the road. 
And he's like, <laughs> you know, you'd be like, they could have killed so many more people. Then they bust out like the the street size vacuum cleaner and just start sucking everybody up. So, yeah, I mean, maybe some <laughs> of them are a little more mischievous, but the the bike scene is I love that scene too. That that actually is kind of scary. And there's a cool documentary that I found. It's pretty short that shows the making of that scene. It actually shows the making of a bunch of the scenes. And it does show kind of the brilliance of the Chiodo brothers to do things with practical effects and strap, you know, strap a, an apparatus onto the side of a car so that slides back and forth so that the clown can be riding next to the car and kind of slide up to look like he's catching up with him. But that was one of the Terenzi brothers was asked how this movie was conceived. And I can't remember which one. There's three of them. He said, someone asked him once, like, what's one of the scariest things you can think of? And he said, driving up a mountain at night and all of a sudden someone pulls up next to you and it's a clown. And that was the seed that started the conception of this entire film. Who are the Terenzi brothers? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say Terenzi? I meant Chiodo. The fucking Terenzi brothers are the guys that are driving the ice cream truck. (laughs) Oh, Oh, those. Okay. I meant Chiodo. Sorry. Oh my god, there was this funny moment. I don't remember which character. I think it was one of those two brothers. He was like, hey, watch this. And then he like jumps down like one step of stairs and like does a landing. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> was that parkour? Like 80s parkour? Like what was that? <laughs> it's like Napoleon They were definitely Dynamite my shit. favorite characters. Yeah, yeah when I was, I was watching sick. this and they were going to the lover's lane and stuff. And one of the brothers is getting mad at the other. And he's like, you said we were going to get girls. I, w- I was thinking like... Hmm, you know, my wheel started turning a little bit. Like, oh, what, what if you did, you know, food trucks are, are big now in, in our area, in our region. Uh, <laughs> you know, what if you did like a really cool ice cream truck and you drove around and you picked, you know, you got all the treats and, you mm. know, the gals are out enjoying, you know, you could be the cock of the walk. You know, maybe that would be a good thing. The what? The cock, cock of the, the walk. You, the- you know. Cock of the walk? It's an expression. <laughs> I've never heard that before. pick this week for clown horror was 2010's The Last Circus, directed by Alex de Inglacia, who uh, we watched Witching and Bitching on our Embarrassment of Witches episode, and that was also done by him, and he's kind of a guy that I've been bringing to the podcast because I'm a big fan, and I'm trying to spread the good word of Alex de Inglacia because I really like his work. The aesthetic of this movie it was glamorous, like a Martin Scorsese movie, almost like a casino or something like these really dramatic uh, outfits and sets. And it's it's definitely a very ambitious movie, whether you like it or not. Um, it's about a sad clown 
whose father was also a clown. And he joins a circus uh, when he grows up where there is an essential alpha male clown. Uh, in the circus community, there's always a hierarchy and always a toxic, power-hungry, gluttonous man uh, that leads slash abuses uh, the rest of the big top. So they are pining and trying to... Well, there's this uh, this woman that they're both in love with. And there's a, the sad clown who's not confident. Uh, he's very lonely. And then there's this alpha dickhead clown who like beats her and abuses her but she is kind of kinky and likes it uh but they're so it's like kind of the 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 dynamic of like the jock in high school that is such a dick but all the girls like him and they don't like the nice guys it's that kind of age-old like 80s movie uh scenario it's really like an epic spanish horror romance and I love this movie. Um, I think it's a pretty over-the-top movie. I interest, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. I went on a journey with this movie, and this is, this is free on Tubi and Vudu both, so it's a pretty easy one with some ads. Don't need any kind of membership. You can watch The Last Circus. I went on the very same journey that I went on with Witching and Bitching. The first time I watched it, I, I have to admit, I was like, here we go. Like, what is this? What is this? It's like, it's so frenetic and it's, it's so hyper and it's loud as hell. It's one of the loudest movies. <laughs> like I kept turning, I've never had my TV as low ever as I had it for this movie. Like it won't turn down. You can keep turning it down. But it doesn't <laughs> not, like, it doesn't work. Everything that happens is like in your face, like thunderous the entire time. <laughs> So I'm like, what is going on? I can't even follow this. I just, I feel, I'm being like pummeled into submission. <laughs> uh, and I was like, well, I don't even know what this is. And then I gave it a second viewing and fell completely in love with it the same way I did Witching and Bitching. Love this movie. It's a great, great movie. And it was a nice change of pace for me because... As much of a you know horror fan as I am, the evil, disturbing, dark, twisted movies are always my favorite movies. It's pretty much always what I want to watch. But I do like to watch other types of films, and I don't get to that much right now because uh, we're always uh, so immersed in our speak-all-evil universe that sometimes um, I'm neglecting other areas of my, my film enjoyment and this is a very dark very twisted uh, demented movie but it's not straight genre horror so I, I kind of felt like oh man like it's, it's a little higher brow than even though it is also it's at times very slapstick it's very funny it's it's kind of a it's a comedy drama dark adventure horror thriller action little bit of everything um, but it's very thick with with theme. I feel like there's a lot going on in this. There's a lot to chew on. There's a lot that I could relate to. Um, I, I absolutely loved it. I, I was, you know, standing standing O for this one. What I'm starting to realize as we watch a lot of these foreign directors, especially when you get into multiple movies by Dela Iglesia or 
you know, Guillermo del Toro. I'm starting to really appreciate these foreign directors embracing and commenting on their country's history because this movie is is just as political as it is this twisted love story or, or the story of poor Javier, the, the sad clown who, whose dad was killed. And it just made me stop and realize we don't have a lot of American directors that do this because we as a country love to ignore our history. In fact, we're taught from a very young age, don't even fucking talk about it. But I love these foreign directors completely embracing their their country's history and their own civil wars, their the, the other wars they fought, uh, the internal strife, the, the different parties. And this movie is another one that takes place during the, the Spanish Civil War where Franco's regime is trying to overthrow the republic and so that he can come in as a dictator. And you look at the two sides... And then you look at the two clowns. And I think what De La Iglesia is doing is he's using this political backdrop to then move forward this quote-unquote love story. But Javier the Sad Clown represents one side of the war. And Sergio, played by Antonio, Antonio De La Torre, he represents the other side. So there's, I, I like, this guy's a really, really smart filmmaker. And I appreciate him. So what I did do, because I, I, I don't recall my take on witching and bitching wholly from episode two, I did go back and watch that again, and I appreciate it like a hundred times more. I think this, this guy's just, he's not an easy pill to swallow. He, he takes a lot of commitment, so. Yeah, this movie was definitely a lot. Um, do I think that maybe this director is my cup of tea? Not really. Did I hate the movie? No. But I just kind of was like, wide-eyed the whole time. Just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, it just takes so many turns. Like, when, uh, Javier attacks Sergio, I was like, oh, wow, that was a quick movie. And then I look up, I'm like, oh, no, we're only like a half an hour <laughs> in. Like, there's still a whole, like, <laughs> so I just wasn't expecting, you know, that the whole, uh, the rest of the film. Um, I think the acting was probably my favorite part. I think Javier, you know, that actor went from weird, like, mystery gang dweeb to psychotic clown. So I thought he did a really awesome job. Um, I did hate the natalia's character i just thought that was like the worst character in the movie i love carolina bang i was gonna give her mommy of the week right now i mean she's a great actress i just didn't like her care i liked her character in witching and bitching i liked that one because she was like crazy and it made sense but this one i was like what are you do what you can't well, definitely along? she plays the worst kind of girl well if this if if her character in this doesn't make sense to you you haven't dated enough women because it made a lot of sense to me. And that was one of the, the many, I thought, resonant themes in this film is this sort of idea of how lethally attracted people can be to chaos and the excitement of danger and the drama and how easy it is for human beings to get sort of sucked into these highly charged but totally destructive situations under the spell of various romance and compulsions and and needs and neuroses and all of this stuff 
I thought there was a lot of relatable stuff going on with all the characters. To me, they all made a lot of sense and they all spoke to a lot of real life sort of what I think of as fairly universal human experiences. Carolina Bang is Mommy of the Week 100% for sure. I will drive to your houses and fight you for that right now. And I also didn't realize she is married to Alex de la Iglesia. Oh, it's like a Rob Zombie situation. Yes, exactly. Yes, but she nice. is uh, she is beautiful and a, a damn good actress. And I'm gonna I'm gonna keep going down the political road and say Sergio is representing the Franco regime. Javier is, is representing the Republic, and Natalia Carolina Carolina Banks character is representing the masses essentially, the people that that succumbed to Franco's spell. I mean, we're seeing it now. You know, every everybody took a page out of Franco or Hitler or Mussolini's book here, and we're watching Donald Trump do the same thing. But I, I, I thought that was just another... I think the reason he started it off so political, and even the opening credits is an awesome... It's an awesome, like, uh, montage of politics and pop culture and all this stuff. I thought the whole relationship was basically just him continuing the political commentary throughout the movie. That was something that definitely struck me about this movie in relation to a lot of the other movies that we've watched for this show and a lot of movies that I've watched generally. When you watch Spanish movies, you get a lot of metaphor and commentary about the Spanish Civil War. It's sort of like when you watch Austrian and German films and movies, particularly from that area of Europe, you get a lot of stuff about World War II and the Holocaust. And so, they're, you know, they're always operating on multiple levels between the personal and the political or the cultural and the historic. And this movie blends those things so well that it's like a little osmosis history lesson, because even if you're just, which I don't know anything about the Spanish Civil War, um, but through the investment in the characters and through understanding some of the human dynamics that are going on, you you sort of ingest a little bit of this filmmaker's view of larger themes and like you're you're talking about the historical political themes. So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. I like that uh, even when both clowns were completely mangled. Their faces were completely mangled at at some point that they still were like trying to like be the handsomest in that little showdown. Uh, you know, Sergio is just like, oh, look at your face. I'm beautiful. And he's like, his face is destroyed. The way that the two male characters, Javier and Sergio, are portrayed in this movie, it's like a yin and yang thing. So you have Javier, the, the hero ostensibly or the protagonist anyway. He's like the white knight kind of loser schlub guy. He, he's been relegated to the sad clown role. His dad told him he has to be a sad clown. And, uh, and then Sergio is the machismo, the cocky, confident, violent guy. And they're sort of flip sides of the masculine, the masculinity coin. But it doesn't take the easy road of having Javier be elevated it shows how how truly pathetic and uh, selfish and self-centered and self-involved he really is even as he's trying to portray himself and think of himself as this sort of white knight who's going to save the damsel uh if only the girls would like the nice guy like me you know very like cliche incel type stuff it shows you 
multiple sides of it. It doesn't draw easy distinctions. And even Sergio, who's a pretty bad guy, you, you don't really get the sense. You get the sense that they're essentially one and the same. Uh, again, different sides of the same coin. Sergio has what you call big dick energy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was trying to say. Sum it up. Yeah. I believe when this was released in Spain, the title was The Ballad of the Sad Trumpet. I love the song that they keep playing, and it's sort of it's one of the triggers for Javier as he descends, because essentially Javier is on this journey through the entire movie where he has to decide, am I going to keep being this nice, you know, laid-back dude, like down on my luck, or do I have to do I have to up my big dick energy and catch up with Sergio? And I love the fact that this really beautiful, sad song is one of his triggers and sort of almost leads to his madness. Because at first, the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, this is going to ground him. You know, it's one of those songs that you're going to, it's going to kind of be his gravity. But no, but actually just is another worm in his brain leading to his meltdown. And I will say, the scene where Javier, Javier actually snaps is fucking bonkers. I love that scene. When he, the makeshift clown outfit, when he has to get together a clown outfit, like real quick in the church. Yeah. So good. That. The iron especially. So good. Joker vibes. Oh. Joker the vibes, Teddy. It was like two Jokers. But because he was very evil. Like... Javier was no, like, he was kind of a schlub, but he was very evil and he was very yeah. twisted. Yeah. The generations of clown people, it seems like you can't get out of the cycle of the clown of, of the circus, the cycle of the circus. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because if your parents are, are clowns, and most likely you're going to be a clown or you're going to be like jumping the dogs through the hoops or whatever you do. Well, there's the, there's the big scene when Sergio is asking Javier why he wants to be a clown. And instead of just saying, well, my dad was a clown, his dad was a clown, or something like that, he doesn't really have an answer, and he turns it back on Sergio and says, why are you a clown? And Sergio says, if I wasn't a clown, I would be a murderer. And I thought of Dave, I thought of Dave <laughs> smiling, making me watch this movie. <laughs> 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 but that's, uh, they're, they're both murderers. And, and, it through the movie, it's almost a journey where they trade places in some senses because they do present Javier as the the, the poor guy. Oh, poor guy. And then by the end, you're like, this guy is just as bad as the guy yeah. that he's trying if to kill. If not worse. <laughs> yeah. Before Javier's dad dies, the war just breaks out where they are at and the circus is happening and all of a sudden everyone is recruited to go fight you know, the enemy. So they're like, they give him his dad a machete. And they're like, he's like, should I change before I go to war? And he's like, no, a clown with machete will scare the fuck out of him or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah, I like the beginning a lot. And you know how, you know, it starts when Javier is a kid. Uh, the Republic comes in and basically s stops this circus and says, any man that can even carry a weapon is coming to fight right now because Franco's forces are coming in. Then his dad slaughters a bunch of people and then is captured. And then it skips ahead a few years where Javier finds his dad 
and they're building the Valley of the Lost, which is a real thing that Franco had done after he won the war and took control. So what they showed Javier's dad building is actually legit. It's a giant tomb and huge, a 500-foot-tall cross. It's the largest cross in the world. And there's 40,000 bodies of people killed in the Civil War buried. You know, that scene with all the, the bodies, all the skeletons in the pit from the war, very similar to Goodnight Mommy when the kids find the mass grave. And again, the ghosts of the past, of these atrocities and all these deaths that have happened are always present, always just under the surface, in this case, literally. Also, you know, uh, we talked about Santa Sangre, Alejandro Jodorowsky, uh, another Spanish-speaking uh, film. And the thing I respect about this is I do agree with you that it's too long and it's too loud and it's too vibrant and it's too everything that's exactly the mood you have to get into to enjoy and it's a mood that honestly is sadly harder for me the more internet addled and social media it's hard sometimes like this isn't a movie to worry about how long it is this isn't about like what time what time do i start it and what time is it over this isn't about has it been two hours yet? Oh my God, is it more than two hours? It's not like whoever got $10 zillion to do the latest reboot movie trying to um, set their balls on the table and make you watch a three-hour movie about superheroes or some shit. There, you, you have to just abandon all that and go with it. And I I got to that point where I was like, this isn't long. It's not long. It's just incredible it's just great you know i give me more keep going uh, i'm not worried about how this is oh there's another final act yeah i'll, I'll take another yeah it just keeps <laughs> piling on more final acts alex day Glacia, uh just him and carolina bang who you said is his wife they just signed a thing with netflix to do a anthology series i think it's called like fear incorporated or fear company or so they're doing that. But there was one other show. I don't even remember the name of it now, but that Alex Inglacia did for Netflix that I actually recommended to you guys because he directed it and I hadn't watched it yet. And then I checked it out and it was god awful. But uh, I've watched a, a lot of his stuff. There's another movie he has uh, called Bar, which is kind of interesting. Uh, it's the least horror movie of all his works. Um, it's more of just, it's basically people are in this in this bar and there's a shooter outside and if you leave the bar that you get shot wow that sounds great it is good it is good it has a lot of the same actors. i want to see you you've movies. sold me I, i'm sold on that one that sounds good <laughs> that sounds good to me you you can't leave the it's bar good. or you get shot right. uh, I'm, I'm in i'm in just just in case <laughs> we better stay. it's like sean from sean of the dead's like greatest dream come true <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> gotta stay there you remember the scene where Javier is first going to meet Sergio and you see these two little people just get tossed out of Sergio's trailer and they're like screaming and Sergio's like flipping out as like the handler brings Javier in to meet him. So there's this scream that happens. So when I was looking the movie up, what that is, is an overdub and it's called the Wilhelm scream and De La Iglesia uses this several times. And I, I never realized this. It's a stock sound effect that has been used in over 400 films and TV series. 
And it's named after Private Wilhelm, a character from a 1953 Western charge at Feather River. Though it was actually first used a few years before that. But it gained popularity after George Lucas found it and Spielberg found it. And they used it in movies like Star Wars, Indiana Jones, and then Disney and Pixar started using it. So it's like this inside thing in Hollywood where you, if you're going to overdub a scream, you drop in the Wilhelm scream. Uh, Kevin, and Kevin, Kevin, interesting. Uh, excuse me. Uh, we use the Wilhelm scream in almost every episode. Do we? Yeah. It's also the name of a James Blake song. But yeah, I, I use that sound effect a lot as well. Oh, nice. I, I, I never realized that. I thought it was interesting. And That's then, news to me. You're listed in the credits of the Wikipedia, like Kevin Kenny is known to use this sound effect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know I had a yeah, Wikipedia. read closer. Ooh. Yeah, they use it in Jaws. I remember that. She's holding the baby and walking out. <laughs> the Wilhelm scream, it should be the name of a movie. Or a band. It probably is. Yeah. Right? It has to be. I don't know. Maybe it's more uh, widely known than I realize. It's the first I've heard of it. First I've heard of it, Kevin. I I like that fact. It's a good one. Would you be a funny clown or a sad clown, Dave? I'd be a funny clown. But you would be sad. If you were the butt of my joke, you would be sad, but I would be laughing. Yes, that's normally how it is. (laughs) I thought that one of the things that was going on here is... Loving something that's ultimately leading to their destruction, and I really loved this this scene when Yavier is in the hospital and he's been <laughs> nearly he's been nearly killed by Sergio, <laughs> and at that point she decides this has gotten too dangerous. She's going back to Sergio, <laughs> like he. It just she just had to get him yeah. to the deathbed, the literal hospital deathbed. And then I will say I liked all of her wigs. She had a lot of good wigs. She did. The wig budget was through the roof, apparently. I'd say the whole budget was through the roof. Lastly, I just have to prop the the scene or the sequence where Javier has been recaptured by the army leader that whose eye he put out as a child and the guy turns him into his bird dog, literally, where they go out hunting birds and Javier has to go get the bird in his mouth and bring it back like a bird dog. Just the, the scenes of him walking back with a, with a bird hanging out of his mouth. He's got to find the neck and he has to like kneel down and give it to the guy like a dog. Great stuff. That That's about the point in the movie where I thought it w- w- went a little bit too long. Like, that's where it was like... Oh, no. 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 And the whole, like, hiding in the woods. Oh, my God. And, like, the deer falling into the pit. I was was just like... No, that's all good. I mean, I, I I like everything about this movie visually, but in terms of getting from point A to point B, uh, Iglesias takes us from point A to Z. Yeah, you stop off and do a, a Yorgos Lanthimos movie right in the middle of it. And you just have <laughs> yeah. you just have a guy naked in the woods and then carrying birds around. You just do that for a little while, and then you get back to your story. It's great. 